Welcome to One of Two Hundred, the independent politics and media podcast. We're coming to you from New Zealand and Chicago. We're joined by many uh, friends of the cast and new contributor Abigail Allen. Welcome Hi. to the podcast, everybody. Hi. Good to be here. Hey, everyone. Hello. Hello. Right, and that's uh, Justine Branco and Paul, who are also joining us this evening. We're here to talk about the change in national party leadership. For those Did of you who, oh, sorry, it's been severely underreported. I have to say. It's been, yeah. Yeah. It's okay. Did you not hear? Did you not? Did you not hear about Humpty Dumpty? I was I was all prepared for three waters and then uh, so yeah, I, well, I have like just th- five sheets of double side notes. For for, for our international audience, you know things move quickly uh, in New Zealand. It's been about <laughs> four hundred ninety days or so. Uh, Collins uh, was Judith Collins was leading the National Party, so the National Party is our party uh, major party in opposition. Um, I guess we call them conservative. Um, center right, center right. Center right. That yeah, is vaguely. the that is the uh, nomenclature they prefer, I believe. Yeah, so okay. slightly slightly to the right of or the also center right Labour Party. Yeah, yeah, slightly more to the right. Um, <laughs> slightly more bluntly uh, neoliberal um, than than the Labour Party uh, purport to be. Uh, so they were being led by Judith Collins. It was a bit of a nightmare for them under her leadership, uh, sitting in the mid-20s, uh, low to mid-20s, uh, when most opposition parties generally sit at the 30-plus mark, a slow creeping of our uh, kind of further right uh, act party, really putting the nail in the coffin for, for Collins, and tried to... How do you even explain what she tried to do? So she's, just, she's been a really nasty piece of work, just for anyone who is not familiar with her. Um, like keeps a little book of people's indiscretions kind of kind of human being and then sells out her uh, compatriots uh, whenever she feels like it just to just to dig a knife in um, and she finally I guess because she was thinking someone was going to try and have a, a leadership vote against her um, decided to jump too soon with with a couple of claims they fell over uh, and the next day she was she was voted out of the leadership and uh, a a new person has taken over could i interject with my new hashtag yeah oh my gosh let's make this trend i think justice for judith hashtag <laughs> hashtag was that with the number four or F-O-R? yes absolutely okay cool please what, justice what, for before, judith. before we get to, to election i found the whole that that whole circumstance just really weird and maybe maybe i'm just reading into it but like okay simon bridges says this off color inappropriate joke five years ago he apologizes for it it's never brought up ever again and then and then suddenly like it it, it the complaint is made about it for the second time even though he apologized it seems like it had been a couple of months ago out and apparently. buried Right, and then and then of course, yeah, it, it, no. in a timely manner, it's used to. It, it, the whole thing just seems very odd to me, and I don't know. I don't know whether it was like a coordinated thing or whether that was just uh, hap- you know, happenstance. Branco. but bizarre. Branco. of course, it was a coordinated thing. Let me tell you exactly what happened because I know a mind like Judith. Because I that, that's why, <laughs> like Abigail, I'm running the Justice for Judith campaign because this is, these are special people and we need to protect them. She um, needs justice. Justice must be done. <laughs> No. So this is what happened. She heard that Simon was scheming. I swear, like I, I presume based on the woman, the national MP that had complained said like it wasn't done in a formal manner. She wanted no part of whatever Judith tried to start. I would assume that this was like something that was told to her in passing by the Jackie, was it Jackie Dean? Is that her Jackie name? Jackie Dean, yeah. Jackie Dean. And I think Judith shot, shot her shot. That was her shooting her shot. She was just like, how do I get rid of Simon? Because he's going to try to roll me. And she she just went for it. And it was flimsy. She tried to kind of me to him. But like, 
for something half a decade ago that was already dealt with that she only heard about in passing that she didn't have like the permission of the person who the comment was actually made to like that that is really very flimsy and it just is such a clear like hit job i think that's i mean i think the, the you can know that by the fact that simon is now i don't know like luxon's finance uh, is number three on the list yeah. yeah you know someone who like genuinely has you know in this kind of i don't think luxa would have made that choice if there wasn't just nothing behind those claims i mean it sounds like he's mm. he said something yuck five years ago yeah it was does anyone about, know um, the, the, what he said because can I, someone yeah, I do, but i'm not gonna repeat it it was just it was just gross is it that gross it's a joke about I don't know what the exact joke is, but it was a joke about like what uh what the best sexual position apparently is to conceive a girl. So uh, oh my god, fill in the Simon blanks. doesn't have sex. Come on, bro. <laughs> Come on. I, I, think, his, his... I think both things can be true, right? Like it, you know, it can be a, a setup and opportunism by Collins, but it can also be inappropriate and um, you know, especially in the context of a workplace, you know, poor form um and things that shouldn't shouldn't be said um and i think that's kind of like often what's missing from all of these things is people either say it's one or the other but both things can be true mm. but see the thing i couldn't figure out is was jackie dean part of this consciously or was this was she just kind well, of dragged into apparently it? You not. to say no, apparently, apparently like because i mean she came out afterwards whether whether she was a part of it or not initially she came out afterwards mm. and said that collins didn't have permission to do this uh, and so on some level, you have to take that at face value because there's no other real evidence. You can make all kinds of um, assertions as you wish about how she must have been uh, involved for it to even get to that point in the first place. I think that Collins was trying to leverage New Zealand poll, Twitter, journalism, um, excitement with a late night announcement uh, and try to make something bigger than it was uh, just through the force of that momentum. Um, and it failed. Uh, and, you know, and, and in the end, um, the National Party had a, a caucus. It lasted for some amount of time, uh, I think most of the day, uh, till about 2 p.m. from 9 in the morning. And they have a new leader now uh, called Christopher Luxon. He is an ex-CEO uh, of... Air New Zealand, which is a government, um, mostly government-owned uh, airline uh, here in New Zealand. Um, he left that uh, basically uh, as an anointee of the media and of the previous uh, National Party leader, John Key, as a, as a leader in waiting only a, a year or so ago. Um, and yeah, and th- Sorry, Carl, can I just jump in quickly? Yeah, get yeah. In. I think it's also important to say, like the the context here is, um, a, you know, quite a few years of instability and infighting with a national um, since since John Key um, stepped down, basically, and you know, Bill English was, uh, you know, the prime minister for a year up until the twenty seventeen election, but ever since then, really, even under Simon Bridges' leadership, which lasted uh, what a couple of years, two and a half years or so. Um, there was a lot like, you know, quite regular uh, noises um, and sort of leaks and whatnot coming from um, the National Caucus about his leadership. So this kind of transition is sort of is seen by, you know, the media and well, the, the general narrative anyway. And the narrative also that Luxon is trying to paint is that it's a return to that stability and unity that National have kind of been lacking for a few years. We've got years. another businessman in control. Uh, they're a exactly. CEO and they know how to run a shop. Um, and so everyone's going to fall into line now. Uh, yeah, I think there's a, like a lot of people have said that under previous leaders, Collins has been the main instigator of a lot of the shit. Um, and then when she was the leader, she was still. Uh, the big question for Luxon is whether or not he's going to be able to ensure that it doesn't continue. Um, Judith Collins is an electorate MP, so they can't just kick her out. Um, in the same way they might for for a list MP. Um, yeah, how, how are we feeling about uh, Luxon's first week in the job, I guess? I'll, I'll send that to the floor. I, because I, I wanted to write a hit job on Luxon, um, like a good Labour Party apparatchik, I um, did some digging. Um, oh, shit. 
<laughs> and the guy's a funny guy, I've got to say, um, and not in a good way, obviously. Um, you know, I think we have very short memories. Well, you know, I, I forgot, and I totally did forget that Luxon was on the government when you know the 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 labor coalition government first got into power he chaired the business advisory council that was giving them advice on how to be a good little labor party that didn't um you know challenge capital too much and he did many interviews uh, actually like defending the government's business credentials against right-wing critics which is just strange i mean not right-wing like against business critics um which i find really funny um, and then the other thing is during those interviews, even at that stage, there was sort of winks to the fact that he was going to join National, become an MP and was the heir apparent to John Key. So this is something that's kind of, I think, been planned for a really long time by Luxon and his, you know, like elite associates. The other thing I like about Luxon that I enjoyed was his LinkedIn. And I encourage anybody who has like even the faintest curiosity to have a look at his LinkedIn because boy, does he tell a story about himself. So um, this is... Read it. Read it. Read the <laughs> no, LinkedIn. No, 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 no. You have to infer the story, okay? Oh so gosh. as you go through his work experience, you get to the bottom and there's like a list of the fact that he worked at McDonald's. It's very important that he wants you to know that. He worked at McDonald's. He um, he was a hotel concierge. A concierge, concierge. <gasps> Are we um, dealing with a hospital worker? No, no, right just now? hold on. So, <laughs> yeah. oh so I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, oh, this guy wants to like portray this image of a of a Christchurch boy made good, right? Like, you know, working class Christchurch boy. Ah, think again. He went to some kids. He's not a kid from Christchurch. Yeah, well, he wasn't just in Christchurch. Uh, and he was a very rich little he was he comes from a clearly a wealthy family. The um cost to go to St. Kent's a year, I think, sits at twenty three thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so very funny. Like you can see the narrative he tries to craft around himself. Um, also, he speaks in HR like cliches, like just absolutely and like. So um, he's so unlike John Kay, he's not a Burnside boy. No, alas. Yeah. You know, I, I was really excited. I, I was I was excited to see a, a, a national leader finally represent uh, Howick and, and East Auckland uh, at long last. You know, hometown pride for me. So that was a that was a really great moment. I think this is really interesting though, because John Key also tried to portray this like rags to riches sort of image, right? And I actually think this is really key for Luxon because, you know, there's all this rhetoric already. And actually, actually, like kind of like they did to Muller, the media gave him a bit of a baptism of fire, even though they've sort of been building him up for so long. And, you know, they've they've gone at him with charges of like, you know, the seven houses thing, um, and you know basically going on about how wealthy he is and, and so on, which, are, you know, it's good. It's good that we have scrutiny on those, on those things. I just wish, sometimes I wish the media wouldn't personalize it so much, but anyway, um, the, the rags to riches thing, I think will be really important for him to, you know, try and bat back those charges of elitism basically, which, uh, you know, gave key, I guess, you know, he, he was always able to talk about his upbringing and the fact that he was raised in a state home and all that kind of stuff to, you know, put some substance, I guess, behind that, uh, you know, equality of opportunity myth and, and, and all that sort of stuff that the centre-right often, um, you know, go on about those sort of work hard, get ahead narrative. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's going to be important for Luxon because if he can't, you know, get a, have, have a sense of genuineness around that about him, then I don't think he's going to have the same sort of, friendliness with the public that that key does and i mean times have changed as well so you know i think that uh even if he did that that type of personality might not gel with the public in the same way it did you know seven or eight years ago i'll say one thing although rags to riches he did grow up i'm in a state house down the road from my grandparents he was a simp loser in high school and he asked my auntie out and she rejected him said no to my my grandparents heading of one to 200. <laughs> Sorry? We really could have used this a few years back. I but, you know, know, I still... know, but it's my first <laughs> well, night. I'm going- You could have oh, taken him down. You could have taken him down and you didn't. Can I just say my grandparents, it... to my grandparents' dismay, um, like a few years later that um, Chrissy Allen did not go out with him. Um, because that, but she, she, you know, she's, she did, uh, she stuck to her gun and said he's a huge dork. 
in Burnside High School. So, but, but this was his, his secret. This was exactly and, how yeah. he uh, connected to the yeah how how he got past his his uh, <laughs> the, the, the little problem of his wealth yeah no 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 yeah. I was I meant as a, as a politician but also also that actually one thing I'm curious about is was he into ponytails back then as well or I lost my answer I lost my answer so we'll have to have we'll have to have you back on we we'll have to have you yeah, back on so that. we can find yeah. out yeah so yeah Rex Bridges my ass he's still a lo- he's still a high school loser but that. Me didn't uh, cover I mean, that, did they? Loser to, loser to success, success story as well. Like, coming off oh, as a bit of a dork ha- was his brand. Yeah. Um, and I, I think Paul's absolutely right is, is whether or not Luxon can do that and have a wider appeal. People can be can say, oh, you know, it's that have a beer with kind of shit. Um, Luxon's nowhere near as rich as Key. Luxon is nowhere near as successful as Key. But if he started off in a better spot and just was like the head of a, a New Zealand-owned corp, like that's fucking meaningless just one thing to um build on justine's point about the saint kent's thing because this is where i think luxon's image might you know uh yeah he, he what he the one thing that he tried to portray was uh i think it was in his um uh, interview with q a uh, on the weekend um with jack tame is that he talked about his uh that he went to a state school um and so if he's if he's trying to like you know, I don't know which which school. Maybe it was primary school. I don't know, but um, yeah. How does that gel with the Saint Kent's thing? And yeah, the, I wonder. In anyone the in the media listening, maybe look into that. Um, anyone in the media listening, just have a look at his LinkedIn. It has a, a very uh, good breakdown of which schools he went to and when. He did go to Christchurch Boys for a time. Why do I know more than Jack Tame about this? That isn't cool. I don't want to be a tabloid. Um, <laughs> but he definitely did go to Saint Kent's. And Christchurch Boys is one of. Uh, I lived in Christchurch for a while. It's one of the, you know, like high schools in Christchurch are everything. And that's a very high decile school. It's very prestigious. And so um, regardless of it being a state school, the fact that he went to St. Ken's and, you know, Christchurch High. And um, I mean, we know that he sent his children to uh, St. Cuffs, I believe, which, you know, which is where they all go. Um, So, I mean. Hey, it's where Steffi Key went. Bro, do you think they were friends? His kids and Steffi Key. I don't. I don't even. The octopus, octopus, um, art lady. Yeah. The key family. Oh, chef's kiss. But I just don't think. (laughs) I don't think they'll have the same. I I don't think Chris Sutton has the same meme ability as the keys. Yeah, so the thing that I think, I, I don't, yeah, I don't think Chris 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 Luxon is as good as Key. I don't think he has the same kind of story that Key had because Key did, gen, you know, gen, his mother was a refugee, um, a Jewish refugee who escaped and was lived in a state house. And then Key was this aspirational kind of typical kind of 1980s kind of story where everyone was, <laughs> you know, valorizing the, um, you know, buying currency. Wall, um, yeah, Wall Street. He, he's kind of like a, yeah, he's like the Wolf of Wall Street kind of New Zealand version who became Prime Minister. I mean, it's terrible, but it is the truth, unfortunately. Oh, I just remember this image of him, like that photo of him coming out of his pool, like at the edge of the pool. No, look, look, this is a, <sighs> please don't. Look, we, I don't want to like start to think it, like extrapolate and see where it's going next. If Luxon is to um, be the heir apparent, let's just <laughs> stop. We just need a photo of Luxon coming out of a pool, like, you know that in the that was that the first X Men movie where the, that that guy who's anti mutant comes out of the water and he's like one with the water and it's like a big egg globby thing. It's <laughs> like I just I every time I saw Key, it's like he's got the, it's funny because they've all got this Wolf of Wall Street like businessman kind of vibe, but they're still New Zealanders, which is just like the extra layer of dork and cringe is just like I don't why don't people see why can't people see it? It's oh. I'm I'm gonna break a little bit from from this group because I honestly don't really care what school he went to or, or any of that. Um, I was looking through some of his announcements, his like maiden speech in Parliament to get a sense of like what exactly is there anything interesting or different or new here that we can take away that gives us like a signal of where this who this guy is, what he wants to do. And I mean, my God, it's just it's just the most boring garbage. It's the same thing again and again. It's like I get why people in the media get very excited when there's a, a leadership reshuffle because it's like a, a bunch of new faces. It's a new cast. You sort of like 
get to get to you know probe their their whatever personal foibles they also have to get histories. excited it's their job to get excited that uh, that is true but i mean it's the same thing i mean honestly that it, it's it's this is like getting excited about like grant robertson being like named labor leader it's like Our oh okay Snorfest. yes it's the same God. thing it's like luxon i think the Okay, so he he thinks education is important. Um, a very very unique, uh, interesting idea there. Uh, he wants New Zealand's economy to do well. Okay, uh, beyond that, I mean, what the specific things he's outlined? I think the the most specific he's gotten is that he wants to end MIQ, and he wants to let Kiwis come home and, and isolate at home, uh, which I you know uh, I I can I can see some pretty good arguments for that sure, but like that that's not exactly uh, uh, evidence of any sort of new interesting direction, of, or not just for the national party, but for the, the country more generally. And it just feels like, uh, unfortunately, we are now s- continuing to be stuck in the stasis that we have been uh, yeah. for the, the last, you know, what, uh, 10 plus years um, until God knows what happens. Yeah. I, I think, yeah. I think you're right, Branko. It's, it is like quite tiresome when the focus is on, you know who who the next person is and like the machinations of who's going to roll who when and and like the media ordains the next person and so on um and we're not you know sometimes um i feel like the media can obsess with the personalities and and not actually focus on what it might mean for you know the trajectory of the country and and actually like you say the fact that nothing is changing is is a point in itself right um and one thing that i think has been missing actually from a lot of um, the discussion around this is the fact that you know Luxon and and a national party under Luxon is so so close to a Labour party under Cinder Ardern and Grant Robertson that uh, you know and, and actually that has consequences for Labour too and and I think um, you know observing this they are probably a little bit more worried because even though the the substance of you know, in particular the economic message you know economic growth productivity, education, like these are the things that have defined, you know, the, the rhetoric that's defined national labor for decades now, um, that's not changing, but there's something about Luxon for some reason, I, I think anyway, that presents a, a different message perhaps to the business lobby of confidence that Judith Collins uh, and even Simon Bridges and probably just the general instability around those leaders over the last few years that hasn't been there. And I think that's the thing that will really, uh, you know, make Ardern and Robertson stand up and go, oh, okay, okay, this is a threat to our power and our grip on power. And it's, it's kind of really interesting to see how the initial polls, I think, well, um, come I mean, into it. We've said that, like, there's not going to be any, like, necessarily any impact, right? Um, they look uh, vaguely the same um, as Labour, as, as Labour National often do. Um, however, there is one uh i guess policy change that has come immediately on the back of of luxon becoming uh the leader of the opposition um and his deputy uh nicola willis uh who is also the housing spokesperson and that is the instantaneous watering down of the bipartisan agreement between national and labor around housing density and like that is a, a very clear message of what they're going to be bringing um, and perhaps speaks to some of the worry that Ardern and Robertson have around a, a Luxon leadership and that they're just rolling over and taking it despite having an absolute majority. They, they didn't have to say, okay, um, we've, we've made this bipartisan agreement. They didn't have to do that in the first place. You know, it's, we are, working with National to, to get some fixes on housing. Lux, Luxon is now the leader. Okay, we're going to uh, change the height regulations uh, based on what they want. Not, not, okay, well, this is what we have, and they're going to have to stick with it if they want to be part of this housing accord. Um, just immediately agreeing, just so they can keep that bipartisan agreement. And that's worrying to me uh, in terms of what the direction of the country looks like. Uh, under a Labour government, because I don't think um, that Luxon is likely to win out with National. Um, but I do think Labour are going to do the classic third way centrist thing of 
pivoting further towards the right to try and see off the uh, extrapolated threat that they think exists under a Luxon leadership. I think you're right, Kyle, because I think that the main thing Labour is prioritising by allowing National to water down, you know, a, what seems like a really, like, imperative kind of moment to rethink how we build our cities and what we prioritise. Um, they value the PR win of having a bipartisan agreement with National over getting good outcomes. Over the future um, is, of New Zealand. Over the future of, yeah, literally our, our ability to have housing. But I think um, I'll give you, I, here's my take. I think there's a good litmus test to see what's going to happen with Labour and the future of Labour. Um, I, I, you know, I kind of like... Hmm, <laughs> as Philip pointed out, if in a perfect world, I would be more aligned with Labour, I would, you know, me and Ed Miller would be in the this new Labour Party. But so I do see substantive differences in important things in industry, in the industrial policy world between Labour and National. Um, and the most important thing would be fair pay agreements, which um, is... You know, like, and, I, and this is why I said I think Michael uh, Wood or Woods, I don't know, like, how do you know when to put an S at the end of that? Anyways, Michael Wood um, is probably, for me, one of the more progressive one of um, Labour ministers. He's, uh, But anyways, fair pay agreements have the, like, is a really radical shakeup of our industrial relations. It basically does undo a lot of the... Um, Frame, framework and damage that um, the individualized kind of like neoliberal employment contracts act, act and employment relations act kind of imposed on New Zealand workers and it will increase wages um, and I think that business is going to go hard against that in the new year hard against that in the new year and um, I'll be interested to see if Labour sticks to their guns because they have pushed it back now twice enacting yeah. this legislation and um, they've also sort of tried to water some of it down that hasn't happened actually interestingly enough unions are, are pretty invested in getting this legislation across the line and have been pushing back so i think that's a good litmus test that's supposed to go to the um to for voting or i don't know i don't really know how this you think i would know how this process works but i don't know something is happening in february uh i think it's going to be voted on in february and um i think if if they renege on that that'll be a good sign that they are pivoting right to yep. to supposedly meet the threat of Luxon. This is why I think justice for Judith, because I, it annoyed me so much seeing all the Twitter fucking the the Tumblrites who've moved to Twitter and all the like Instagram activists be like, haha, Judith, like Tofa, or, or you know, this is how you say goodbye in Samoa, and everyone was like, bye, bye, girl boss. I was like. Oh my god, she was so good for the left. Like she was <laughs> awesome. Like she was like we love when National was a mess. Um but I mean the left don't know how to strategize, so they didn't see that. Well, I think I think there was like so I was I, I, I love seeing my enemies doing badly. So I wasn't sad about Judith. But the thing that did concern me about Judith, I guess, was you know, like I feel like we all dismiss like, you know, like the left and liberals dismiss Trump. I mean, I'm not saying I think Judith wanted to be she desperately wanted I think to Chris be Luxon is more of a Trump than Judith. Like Judith nah. was, was a bumbling fool. Nah, I think I, I think Judith was really trying to, think, to emulate Trump. I mean it depends on what you what you saw Trump as. If you if you saw Trump as like the, the main distinguishing feature of him as uh, uh like someone who deliberately trolled uh liberals and caused offense to people to get a rise to sort of antagonize certain sectors sectors of society uh judith kind of did some of that um but if you if you saw trump as kind of basically just a kind of more entertaining figurehead for the the standard republican uh platform of of basically giveaways to the rich and big business um and social conservatism which is what i i think he was uh i mean collins was also a little bit of that but she didn't do either particularly well i think because oh, trump was at that. least able to posture and i don't think Luxon will be able to do this uh, either Trump was at least able to posture as someone who who um, was uh, using a different Republican playbook, using a different set of Republican messaging that was kind of more populist, more worker oriented. It wasn't at all, obviously. 
but that was what he was able to kind of convince people. Um, and I, Cons was never really able to do that. And uh, uh, needless to say, yeah. and I, Luxon as, as a former you know, New Zealand CEO, as a former Unilever executive, as a, as a guy who went to St. Kent's, I, I think he's going to have a hard time doing the same thing. Um, I think it's just going to be, it seems like for now, we're kind of destined for this, con, uh, uh, you know, seemingly never ending battle for the propertyed middle class, uh, the property and relatively affluent middle class. And it's just about who can exude the right competence um, yeah. to, to get those votes. I think for Luxon, um, the main factor um, and what they'll probably be trying to do, uh, like if I was their strategist, and I've said this elsewhere, so this isn't like secret, secret strats, um, is to just not have infighting, just not have leaking. Um, provide stability for the National Party so that a National Act government is at least a 10% chance coming into the next election. That's all That's all he needs to do. He doesn't have to be exciting. Mm. He doesn't have to be an outsider. He doesn't have to, like, do any theatre. Um, he doesn't have to really change anything at all. He just needs to get the vote back up to 30%. I mean, he, yeah, and, and bloody their noses in, in the election. You don't have to win because you can always say, well, I inherited a, a sinking ship. I inherited a very dysfunctional vehicle and I did the best I yep. could. And look, look where we were, look where we are now. And this government used to be assailable, unassailable, I'm sorry. Now it is. And now we we actually, you know, gave them a bit of a run for their money. Um, and then and then that's when the leak stopped. I mean, the reason that there's all this infighting and sniping and, and leaking is because the party's shambles and and it doesn't yep. seem like it has a firm direction and it feels people don't feel like it's it's heading towards victory once people feel like there's someone at the front who is going to make sure that they uh have a have a seat in parliament uh and that you know they can get all the benefits of, of political yep. uh, uh triumph then people will go you know what yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna step behind this guy this is actually going pretty well i think um the, the major major mistake labor will make and has already started to make is that they will make these concessions to whatever they think is this national party voting base who they apparently uh, pulled to their cause at the last election. And national will say, look what we made Labour do. Look, despite uh, having this, um, like, all this instability, despite, like, this excellent COVID response from Labour, yada, yada, we still got major policy wins in X, Y, Z. Um, and... The immediate rollover on the um, bipartisan housing accord by Labour is an incredibly clear example of that. And they can just go, look, we we stopped um, your special character um, issues from, from being as much of an issue. Uh, Labour could have just said, here's your first loss, Chris Luxon. But this is this has kind of been their um, you know, the trajectory for some time though, right? Like they've they've you know conceded ground to the right, you know, over several years. Um, and you know, like, uh, Winston Peters was, um, saying the same thing about capital gains tax, you know, he's saying to his constituents that, you know, I cause labor to roll over on this. Um, and yet like, you know, I guess COVID was a, a massive, you know, disruptive event in, in terms of politics, but he got wiped out and, and labor got an absolute majority. Um, so I think they've kind of been making the same mistake that you're talking about, Kyle, for, a few years now and they haven't really positioned themselves uh for in a you know an event where the national party like bronco is saying get a leader which you know um provides some stability and and unity to their caucus and then all of a sudden labor are under threat because they've just been shifting to the right for however many years aside from the things that justin's talking about and i do want to say that like things like fair pay agreement the minimum wage increases and stuff like that that labor have done you know they wouldn't have happened under a national government obviously but, um, you know, Labour have been, I think, and especially in other areas like um, environment in particular, um, their fiscal policy is virtually in, you know, indistinguishable from national. Um, so, you know, I, I think Labour have kind of like they've, they've let themselves be vulnerable in this because they haven't really given the public any sort of reason to, to look at them and, and go, is my life better than what it was? Six years ago, broadly speaking, you know, maybe maybe well, if you're re really wealthy, then I'm not dead. Um, I, well, like, it's different. Are, but there are a lot of people to say I'm not dead. Like, mm. no, know? that's true. That's true. Yeah, which is um, pretty big. That's but, like pretty that, cool. It, I think, but, but I think, I think with the wheels falling off the the COVID response a little bit, 
uh, towards the end, though, you know, I think that that mantle of competence has mm. kind of mm-hmm. kind of gone off. And, and I, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and, and, uh, let me just very quickly finish. Oh, sorry, sorry. sorry. No, that's all right. Uh, just very quickly. Uh, in addition to that, I mean, you know, th- there's been this the prevailing economic policy of the, the government has been an upward transfer of wealth where basically everyone uh, uh you know uh, like roughly half the country has just stayed about the same or actually gone poorer and meanwhile people who have you know had real estate they've gone fabulously wealthy uh the question then becomes okay if you're a voter who's in a low income bracket do you feel like it's worth it to, to, you know, give labor another go. Do you feel like actually turning out to, to vote doing all of that for what has happened over the last six years? Uh, and meanwhile, for the, for the other side, you know, if you're a traditional national voter or if you're a business person, do you go, uh, well, you know, labor has basically done what we wanted the entire time. It's actually been a huge benefit to us. We'll g- give them another go and, and uh, support them. Or do you go, well, yeah, they've, they've been good for a Labour government, but at the end of the day, can they really deliver the kind of thing that like a Christopher Luxon <laughs> reliably can? Let's just go with him. And I I mean, I feel like a lot of them will go the second route. Yeah, totally. You know, I, I got to say, look, I think the legacy of, of our COVID response will um, keep Labour in power probably. And I and maybe like, honestly, it'd be funny to go back um, in, when after the election and see how wrong we're right. I am. I do think it'll maintain them. At least one will go. Um, you know, I think for all the kind of wheels cu- almost coming off, um, the the relatively like sm- like small amount of death that we've experienced in contrast to other countries, Absolutely. I think will still feel that narrative. Um, I think, you know, um, even if it gets bad in winter. Uh, at that point, we will probably have those prophylactics that will likely, you know, make COVID infections far less lethal and dangerous. I, I think that Labour is going to ride on that legacy, and 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 you know, like, I don't think it's something to, we should dismiss because I think that's one of the main things that has brought them loyalty for a lot of working for for for, for a lot of working class people. I don't, you know, like I'm I. I, I, on, like, I think what's also going to happen, though, that'll um, be in Nationals' favour, though, is the fact that Labour is going to try and attack him probably for being an out-of-touch out of rich guy. And the thing is, because they haven't really materially changed our lives um, or made life better for working-class people, I don't think that that's going to land bec- as well as it could because at the end of the day, okay, he's an out-of-touch rich guy, but what are you doing for us, you know? Like, what are you doing? What have you like beyond keeping us safe that's cool but we've still got an out of control housing crisis how can you talk about the guy with seven houses you're letting him get away without you know taxing him capital gains like yeah. um i think they're going to leave themselves very vulnerable on that side the other thing i think though that might be a good thing is if labor goes down we might have a, a labor greens um te Pati maori government which i think is good like if the greens and, sorry what are the and, greens going to do sorry can you explain yeah to me what i know the greens that, do that, that now that's the <laughs> that's the question like if the greens and uh te Pati Mari actually like leverage that enormous power that they have we could actually get some proper concessions out of this government well so, when, will, when will that happen <laughs> and I, i'm sorry i'm totally interjecting but this is i i this is our wish they all bring up a huge issue and it kind of brings in what frank was saying earlier like the second, the the second that Christopher Luxon looks strong, or appears strong, like the like I don't think the I I mean I could be wrong, uh, the legacy of our COVID response could last could hold, but I just think voters will flood to him, like and I like when this is why like and I you know it's yet to be seen, but this is why I was like it's so sad for our girl boss Judith because I was like oh my gosh like could this be the guy that rallies the right, you know, like both neoliberal and, you know, more fascistic. I would, I don't know. I totally. Yeah. We haven't even talked about anti-gay stuff. Like, like I think we have, you know, you said, Oh, he's going to be attacked for being an out of touch rich guy. I kind of think people love an out of touch rich guy, especially in New Zealand, New Zealand, the most Victorian state ever <laughs> you know i think they love i think they're still they they love that you know and 
We we think we're, but they, they seem to love that he... self-made rich self-made rich person story, right? I, I don't know. I hope I hope with yeah. I, I hope the um sort of gloss that key had um has sort of worn off by now. But you know, I don't know if it has. I no. think the, I think the people that I think the I don't know. I I, I worry that the uh, the portion of population that's like, oh my god, it's he's an he's a he's an old rich white man. I think that's I worry that that, popul- that population is smaller than we think. You know, it, is he is Luxon anti LGBTQ? Because I've I've read the opposite. He has very retrograde views on abortion, uh, abortion rights. But but I've not seen that he's. Um, uh, I think he a, a he wouldn't say if he would vote for gay marriage or something along oh, okay. those lines. He right. was like so a complicating. Of, um, so, I mean, the church right. the church that he was a part of is incredibly socially like conservative right, right. on every every issue, um, and you know he could. If he saw some opportunity there, I think he could run on that. You know, he could like oh. lean into that. Um, I don't know whether it would play. I don't think he uh, will. That would be a horrible idea. No, I, 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 I don't think he will. He's already yeah. he's already signaled that he's uh, pivoting uh, towards more social, yeah. um, socially liberal uh, things as the leader of the party. So, yeah, I, I yeah. He's definitely downplayed it. I just want to jump on something Abigail was saying as well. Like, I think that I, I also worry that actually those voters that went to Labour because of their COVID response from National. Um, and there were undoubtedly, you two, know, at least two of them. <laughs> well, I did, you know. Um, <laughs> at, at least most of this room, right? I'm an Epsom <laughs> voter. Well, yeah. <laughs> so, of course. Listen, no, I, all, I vote all... for, I vote whatever my electorate wants. And uh, yeah, Howick, <laughs> I think Howick's fully behind Luxon. Are you a Howick uh, lad, Bronco? Well, I mean, I grew up in, in yeah, Pakaranga. I, Not I, in St. Kent's, though. But, the desert. Know. The desert of East Auckland. Did you go to McLean's? I didn't go to McLean's. Yeah, I didn't. You did? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But before, I, before I forget my point. Um, <laughs> sorry. I, 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 sorry. No, no, that's all right. That's all right. Oh, we're talking about very important things here. I mean, I love the banter. I'm, I'm here for the banter. Um, I, I do think that some of those voters who went from national to Labour because of their COVID response, you know, seeing Luxon, they you know, could quite easily go back to national. And I actually think that that coming back to the Greens point, which Justine raised is that I think spells danger for the Greens because they, I think, you know, were the benefactor of a strong labor um, result in 2020 and, and a lot of people. And also I think turnout was a big thing, which um, we need to factor in probably largely because of the cannabis referendum, which is not going to be, there in 2023 um and so if turnout is depressed then i think that will work against labor and the greens and um also if if uh some of that center voters consolidated by national then some of those voters i mean we still live in kind of this fpp sort of framework i think unfortunately this mindset where you know it's it's about the party that quote unquote wins right it gets the most votes even though we know that's not how governments are formed in new zealand and in the 2017 result is the kind of most obvious example of that. But um, nevertheless, I think that many of those kind of soft Labour voters that went to the Greens because of Labour's strength will be tempted to want to, you know, that they'll see the possibility of a national act government and go, we need to make Labour the biggest party. Um, And I think that spells a lot of danger for the Greens. And unfortunately, I think for the Greens is you know, they have gotten a lot closer to Labour and and, and that seems to be the strategy. Don't know what their policies to, are. Like. Yeah, well, I think part of the message has been to, you know, present a, a, you know, a Labour Green government and um, having, you know, um, the, the wins that that has gained. And is that going to be enough come 2023? Obviously, the election campaign will change that messaging, I'm sure. But, um, you know, is, is that going to be enough? Will people see the consistent kind of wins um mm. you know benefits that the greens have brought by being in government i'm not too We're sure seeing this so we talked about this with luke savage who's um a canadian uh podcaster and journalist uh around um you know the the center left party there and the kind of vaguely socialist party um and the ways in which that same thing happens um and especially that trudeau has effectively taken credit for a lot of NDP uh, policy. Um, and then even if it's like a ostensibly a, um, a coalition government, or at least they're working together, 
who gets the win? Who gets the electoral win um, in terms of picking up votes at the next election? It's the party that implements those policies. Uh, so I, and, and given the FPP nature of uh, the discourse, you're absolutely right. You, we can, the Greens can try as much as they want to present a Labour Green alternative or like uh, vote green to keep Labour red or whatever you want to fucking call it. Um, but voters don't see it that way. They say, oh, Jacinda Ardern's the Prime Minister and delivered this for us. Um, you know, whether that's like saving a wetland or like doing some climate change shit um, or the fair pay agreements or any other thing that the Greens have been effectively involved in. Um, because there's no strict differentiation um, between Labour and the Greens in any public capturing uh, policy space, as soon as there is a threat um, to a Labour government, people are going to say, oh, who gave me that thing? Oh, it was Ardern. Um, and we've yeah. seen the same happen in, in Scotland just recently as well, um, with the Green Party there uh, joining uh, one of the major parties, and immediately happening. Um, the dissolution of the minor party um, and the major party just taking up all that space. I think, yeah, I think that's definitely like a worry for the Greens. And I think they've just disappeared um, when they could have played a much... I mean, they would have struggled. Like, I think they, they you struggle to get oxygen in an environment like this. And we, I, and think, we still, I still want to say, though, we've got like a year and a half, right? Yeah, exactly. It's, right. it's a long time in politics, for sure. But um, I do think that, you know, they've they've been... Look, I think Tim Party Māori has done a much better job um, of being a left conscience um, of Labour in many ways. Um, I think they're just also better at politics. Yeah, they they like, just have a more combative. That's what it comes down to. No, but you know yeah. what? It actually is that. It, it is that. Like I, I think the Greens don't know how to do um, conflict well. Uh, I, I, you know, they're like really, like allergic to looking strong. Um, I think you find you. They just do consensus up. really well. Yeah, you know, you know, because because you because you've got to have that element, and I think like this is what people don't respect about like some elements of the left is you've got to have you've got to have like some attack you have to be able to attack you've got to be a mongrel you do you know and 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 the greens are just they're not good at it they're not good mm. at it and 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 you know like people don't like I, I and i'm not saying this rightly or wrongly like i'm not making a value statement here because i'm personally myself a big wimp but people don't like that it's not attractive um as i've been told by my girlfriend i'm just joking they honestly need some justine sex resilience well the, no. the pr- trouble is they've kind of snookered themselves because they they've entered into into the government basically and you know it, it, on the one hand they would do well if they could run against the government and say labor have promised to deliver on all these things but they haven't and if you elect us we're going to make sure that we actually do these things we're going to deal with climate change we're going to do all the things that just Ardern says that she wants to do but doesn't but then the automatic reply is well hold on you you were just in government with labor mm. you, you, you signed off uh, on all of this you know even if that's not exactly how it is Maybe it's more nuanced, but that is I the I want to swing back round to, um, to National because we did say we wanted to like really get um, get a couple of good punches in on them and, and not uh, attack the left uh, in this podcast. But, you know... Yeah. I, how, as... how quickly we go towards the top. It's <laughs> <laughs> so easy. To be fair. They need attack dogs. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, we spent like two-thirds of the running time yeah, hitting, right, hitting right, National. Right, right. And, uh, and, um, and, you know, so we, we, we spent a, a decent amount of time. I think... I think I think um, a really good uh, indication of, of where National Hope can take it in the next uh, 18 months is what they've done with their front bench. Um, I, I think that the media always makes a lot bigger deal of this and, um, than they should. Like, oh my God, reshuffle. Like, no, who fucking cares? It's the same 20, 20 people. Um, what they have done, though, is put some very interesting ministerial portfolios in their top five. So we've got housing uh, under the deputy leader, for example. They've got education in the top four. Uh, they've got finance at number three. I think these are very clear indications of where they're hoping to attack Labour um, at the next election. One thing that I found incredibly interesting as well um, is that Brownlee has retained uh, foreign affairs, but he's all the way down, I think, number 19. Um, and I think it might be the first time that we've seen foreign affairs outside of top 10. 
um, like they're they're looking like that's an interesting point. Very local um, on issues that we know the public is is worried about. Yeah, yeah, it's it's going to be housing, cost of living, you know, the and the sort of bread and butter stuff. I think which you know, labor and uh, the the labor government have kind of. It's it's a it's an open goal, you know, yep. to to attack them on. So, and yeah. that is a trend that we're seeing really everywhere. I think there's a, a, a oh, withdrawing true. inward uh, among a lot of uh, politics around the world, including the United States, and including yeah, you know, places like it's the really UK. Yeah, I mean, actually, um, I read a really fantastic book about, and I've just forgotten the name of it. By Oh, sorry. We'll just edit it in post, Justin. Don't hold, worry. Hold, hold on. I'm actually quickly, like, I'm literally, I'm going to find it. Like, two, just well, choose. Just, oh, sure, sure, sure. What? Two, what? Two, well, I will say quickly, I will say quickly, voters, I think when things are going well, they have the bandwidth to, you know, look outside their borders and to, to go, yeah. oh, I really care about what's happening in the world. I really want to, I really want to do oh. something about this terrible tragedy happening. Well, this is what's know, interesting. A thousand miles away. But when, when things are going badly yeah. as they, as they are, and they haven't for a while, but things are really intensifying now. Yeah, People don't process. give a damn about what's happening over there. People want to make sure they're taken care of. And I think it's going to get a little bit worse for like your average New Zealand to hear over the next 12 months. Um, yeah. we, we know cost of living is just going through the fucking roof. Um, we know that there have been a lot of people who are struggling with wage costs. Um, Unless Labour takes some significant action uh, around um, either taxation um, or cost of living, there are going to be a large number of working class people who will look at Christopher Luxton and say, "Time for a change." I mean, that's um, just a that's, that's just a so fact. true. That's that's, really that's true. just how yeah. That's the, that is you know the left have not. Oh, I'm not attacking the left. I no, promise. you can say Labour, and then you're not attacking the left. Well, just say yeah, Labour. Well, you know, will we lose? the working class to the right it happened in the um, uk I mean, it ha- I mean it happens it's happened throughout history like think about gosh think about well it's like with them and like you know they failed to address i'm not saying we're going fascist we're going into fascism but you know the the country will surge right when Labour and Labour parties ignore the plight of the, the working class, that we yeah. have. The, yeah, ignore the crisis we have here, and the 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 keep cup left also ignore them. You know, are they going to end up? Uh, would would working class people in New Zealand go right? Uh, you know, with this leadership in place, I mean, can Luxon do the Boris Johnson thing of kind of poaching some 100%. of? The well, well, he can. Will he, or will he just sort of uh, present a a basically just a, the the standard national platform with nothing different about it? Can would Luxon go so far as to say, you know, let's raise taxes on on businesses, or or at least like you know, really big ones. Let's that. raise taxes on the wealth. Well, well, I think the other thing that you could do, the other way that you could go, is if you go the Trump route and sort of take cultural conservatism and and backlash to kind of some some uh liberal see? excesses uh but he doesn't seem like he's really that that keen to do that either so i mean one thing about luxon is that he has uh talked about kind of like a more i think responsible capitalism or something along those lines you know so maybe that that could be a a um a, a, a foreshadowing of what's to come. I, to I don't know. I know that I, I would just say uh, Luxon was the uh, the the uh, he was in Unilever for like eighteen years, and he was the head of Unilever Canada for three years. Uh, while this guy Paul, uh, Paul Pullman was the CEO of Unilever, and he ha- has this reputation as this um, the, a different type of capitalist, a different type of uh, CEO who who wants capitalism to like give back and to put people first, to put society mm-hmm. first, yada yada yada. The key thing though there is that that uh, it's all bullshit. Uh, <laughs> Unilever under him, it, it it talks a lot about sustainability and and you know doing all this stuff and putting people first. At the end of the day, 
it things are, I think, a little bit better uh, with the company, but really, it's still you know destroying rainforests by by taking all the palm oil to make like soaps and shampoos and stuff, and it's still like using uh, uh, like basically slave labor in in like Southeast Asia and, and, and other countries. So if that's a preview of the kind of thing Luxon's doing uh, or plans to do. Um, uh, I mean, it could be an interesting uh, way to reframe things, but uh, substantially, it's not going to be much different. Be honest, how is that different from Key and Bill English, though? Like, or from Bill a descender and, and not at all. Yeah, <laughs> not yeah, at like, all. To me, it's the- like, you know, it's it's the same kind of compassionate conservatism that um, we saw even from the Tories in the UK with David Cameron, even though he was way more ruthless with austerity. But it was the framing of it, right? Of com- we're compassionate conservatives, we're modern, um, we're not, you know, like ruthless Thatcherites or whatever. I I, I think it's part. I just think it's outmoded. I really do. I, th- I, this is why I find it's find Luxon so boring. I'm just like, oh, it's this, he, he wants this, to be boring. He has to be boring. It's, it's the same version of the same person yep. that nationalists trod out for years and years and years. I think we know that Key is advising him. I think Key has a good political nose. I like, you know, that's a valueless statement. He, he clearly did. Um, he, he won a number of elections and was like one of the most popular uh, politicians in New Zealand ever, would have despite won again if he had being a bunch of scandals. And um, mysteriously disappeared before the Key is going to be looking at uh, Rishi Sunak in the UK and saying, what kind of things can we offer um, in a similar vein uh, to what they have done in the UK? Um, And it might, and because they are in opposition, they can promise a fuck ton of stuff, which they don't have to follow through on. It just has to like make labor look like they're not doing anything. So they can say, we'll bring the price of cheese down. You know, like they can literally say that. They can say, um, we know a lot of rural communities are going to be struggling. They can go in on that, you know, because Labour haven't done enough there. They can say healthcare costs are going to come down. We're going to do a bit more around that. They've been talking about social investment um, again. Um, so people who have earned it, um, you know, get get the benefit or, or get a bit of a boost. Um, they're going to be leaning very heavily into the, uh, if you work hard in New Zealand, you get you got get what um, you've earned, um, oh. and I don't think even with like a, a small like couple of policies attached to that from national, I don't think Labor currently have a way to push back on that substantially, and and that's my major worry, and it was under like previous leaderships as well with national. This is always the direction they could have gone, they just haven't had the stability and caucus to be able to make it um, actually stick. Yeah, I think it's it's going to come down to whether that, like Justine was saying, that compassionate conservatism stuff is going to wash now, you know, um, compared to five or six years ago. I mean, like house prices have almost doubled in like five or six years, you know, things are so different now to what they were then, like in the sort of latter key era, like is that, you know, it, politics has changed so much just in that short period of time and, and you know, maybe New Zealand kind of like political thinking or whatever lags behind sometimes, but it's, I don't know, it's, it's going to be interesting as to see whether it's going to be enough. You know, I think, I think that, um, and I've noticed this in Auckland and, and I, um, maybe I'm wrong, but I think there's a lot of anger that needs to be tapped somewhere politically, um, not by actual um, anti-vaxxers or whoever else is currently. Actually, the percentage of those people is very, very low. Yeah, but I'm talking, I'm actually talking more broadly now because like yeah, that yeah, is one, yeah, one spectrum of that anger. But, you know, like there is anger at the system, at the failures of the system. Yep. I don't think that Chris Luxon can tap into that. I don't think, like, I just, I, he's just not the guy to do that. Um, but maybe maybe it's going to take more than one, a few election cycles for that anger to come out in electoral politics. I think it is coming. Like there is like gonna you know it is coming, um, and uh, so so that's interesting to me because I think both Luxon and and Ardern are kind of offering something that is expired. Yep. Um, mm. It's just past its best by date, and so I think we've got a problem here, like a big problem, because I also don't see the Greens capitalising on that really. No way. 
Um, and, uh, you know, the only, only party that seems to actually be capitalizing on, like, people are aggrieved and the party is capitalizing on it is ACT. Absolutely. Um, I was going to say, he is, that Seymour motherfucker is so popular. People with, with a certain subset. Because a certain subset of very angry people. He yeah. could be. So, he could be for at for national what Winston Peter what Winston Peters was for Labour. Because here's another popular guy, you know, who ruffles a few feathers, and he the the even like I work in the most wild workplace, um, but I will say no more. You know, even my even some people who you know just. Not just in my workplace, but if, even my like people I come across who are not that politically sophisticated. But you know, but it's not just people I come across who are not very sophisticated. Politi- uh, sorry, politically sophisticated, but you know, more prog- progressive leaning in the interpersonal relations. Like you know, just how do I say normies, but 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 nicely? I don't know. You did it. You did okay, it. So there's so normies like nice normies love David Seymour. They think he's funny. And they, are, you know, he taps in, and everyone has a frustration because life is so shit, and he so taps into it. Yeah, Seymour is doing the same thing very successfully that Keaton. He's got the he's got the BDE, the the big dork energy. It, he's he has a horrific, horrific political ideology that, in practice, would starve and even worse than people. he pretends it is. Like it's such a much, it's much worse. That it. would that it. would just basically unleash uh, business in New Zealand to pollute at will and you know uh, rip off workers as as, as they like. Uh, but he has he's he's kind of a goofy, uh, nice enough looking chap. Because given a free ride in go, the media. Well, he can't be he can't be that bad. I mean, it, you know, some of the stuff he says maybe is a little bit kooky, but yeah, he seems like a nice enough man. And that, you know, that was the same thing with John Key. I mean, the tremendous damage to the country for, for um, nine years. But, but a little bit day, kooky, like calling Ewe checkpoints thugs, um, both on Twitter and well, uh for, for all being interviewed on live people, television. For a lot of people, they, they hear stuff like that and they, they do go, Oh, that's a little bit, yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. Um, but you know they don't they don't necessarily have like the the outrage yeah. that people and know, he does he does politics so, sorry to interrupt he does politics so well like he is you know me for a former Epson voter he is a <laughs> he is a great electoral candidate for Epson he does a great job um, and he will turn up like I he turned up to the Ute tax protest with new gumboots he bought with a tag sole on them rolled in the mud a little bit but it, people it, that stuff is important to people um i think we got to watch out for him i think if christopher luxon was to to win it'd be off the back of the nostalgia for key and yeah. just the nostalgia for his, for what for the for the image of someone like christopher luxon and it would be like, a co- coalition with act i think yeah oh absolutely I mean, you 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 you, wor- you think about like I think about my family members, some of my family members of Christchurch, who are not wealthy, uh, in a in a city that is far more working class than Auckland in some respects, um, and they love figures like the Keys and the Luxons. They love them, and I that's not I don't think that despite the fact that they're because that their you know situations have gotten far worse under COVID, that hasn't changed. You know, the the, the quarter acre Pavlova kind of guy is still so popular in the New Zealand psyche. And I think that's what Christopher Luxon represents. And we can say, oh, you know, I know maybe I would like to be proved wrong, but I think that will be, I worry about that a lot. This is going to be really interesting because like I was saying before, you know, um, Luxon and National are going to need some of those votes that they lost to Labour, but they're also going to need a bunch of those votes that they lost to ACT in the last election. And just how sticky kind of those votes are um, with ACT, I, I think, you know, we'll, we'll see over the coming months um, kind of how how deep, I guess, um, versus how sort of surface level people's kind of political feelings are like, are people um, dissatisfied so much with the the kind of the establishment national and labor kind of consensus 
that they that they stay with ACT even though they sort of see maybe some additional strength in national and um, you know the ability to you know have Luxon as prime minister uh, and and a sort of like a far leading um, national party um, that potential could you know that would be a strong pull I, th- I think for those ACT voters um, that have gone from national to to ACT uh, in in twenty twenty but. Yeah, it's going to be super interesting to see how just how sort of sticky that uh, those voters are with ACT and, and how kind of, yeah, how deep that frustration is um, at the kind of status quo, I guess. I think that's a, a great way to um, sign off. Uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us. Um, it's been good to have a variety of faces, old and new, uh, to talk about a variety of faces, old and new, in the National Party. If you've enjoyed this, give it a share, uh, check it on your Facebook, uh, come and chat to us on Twitter, uh, give us five stars, go to our Patreon, go to one of 200.nz. We've got a weekly newsletter now uh, written uh, by Justine um, and sometimes myself and sometimes other guests. Uh, and you can sign up for that uh, at one of 200.nz uh, and that will be delivered fresh, piping hot to your inbox uh, on a Monday morning to afternoon thanks so much for listening we'll catch you next time relentless routines the dying embers of your dreams is the lie aspirational will you die keeping your glass half full the relentless routines the dying embers Dreams is a lie aspirational. Will you die keeping your glass half full? You don't hate your nation, you hate nationalism. You don't hate your